0: turn to Proverbs. We'll start there. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. All right. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for our our time. And Lord, thank you for the joy. Every Sunday it is just a blessing to to see one another after a busy week and and to really uh, enjoy fellowship in you and uh, who we are in Christ. And now, Lord, as we again open our our Bibles and uh, our hearts and our minds to your word, uh, we realize that it must be you through your Holy Spirit that teaches. So uh, we ask for that now. And Lord, again, our desire is not just to be hearers, but ultimately to be doers and in the renewing of our minds and in the obedience uh, to your word that you would transform us from the inside out. So we give this time to you now in Jesus name. All God's people said. Amen. All right. Let's uh, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. We've been on this series the last several weeks on this issue of the heart. And in, in the Bible, the heart represents who you are, your core. Your emotions, your will, your values, your intellect, everything. When, it, when, when, when the Bible says heart, it means you at the core, not your job, not how much money you make, not what car you drive, right? When it says heart, it's like you. What makes you tick? Who are you at your essence, right? That, that's, that what it means by, that's what it means by heart. So Proverbs 4.23 says this, hey, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life, right? And we, we were led into this verse because the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the, mouth, of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And I told you I was a youth pastor for years and years, and one of the things that I would do is drive kids to Magic Mountain, drive kids to camp, drive kids to the beach, and I would just be the driver. And after a while, they would forget that I was in the car, and high schoolers would just start talking like high schoolers. It's amazing how much you learn about Nordoff just on a drive to Magic Mountain and back, right? And I'm listening and I was, and it wasn't judgmental, but I realized, you know what? These kids are just speaking out of the condition of their heart. And it wasn't all bad. Some of them were right on, right? But some would cuss. Some would, you know, start to go directions where I'd have to do the hey, 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 and then that would be fine, right? But... I wasn't judgmental or critical because what I did at the, at, the, at the core, I understood, you know what? The conversations that are going on in this van right now are really just representative to a large degree of the condition of their hearts. So I can't expect somebody who's a non-believer to be acting and talking like a Christian. They, that, you know, that, that, that's an unrealistic expectation. You know, they might. Uh, it, it was kind of funny. I shared this story before that uh, my brother used to live in San Jose. And we would go out, and once, uh, while I would go up there, we'd go golfing, right? So one time we'd go golfing. He invites one of his friends, good friend. I think he was from work. We golfed the whole day. You know, if you ever golfed 18, right? It's like five, four, five hours, depending on how good you are, right? We're, we're you know, having a good time. Just the guys, you know, and they're, my brother's friends are telling jokes, yada, yada. This one guy in particular, very extroverted. So we finish the round, and we go out to eat, and we're standing in line. My brother goes to the bathroom. We're just waiting in line to order. And finally, after five, six hours together, he turns to me. So, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Just stunned silence, because I know he's probably rewinding every joke he told for the last five hours. Are you kidding me? I said that and he was a pastor. Like, you know, and it's funny because I like to have fun with that because I, I, I just say it and then I just, I'm just quiet. Because I, I like to see him do this and try to figure out, is he mad? Was he offended? And it's like, it, you know, I, it's okay. I knew he, he wasn't necessarily a believer, so he was just being himself. And I appreciated that he, he was comfortable enough with me, because I wasn't wearing a title yet, that he was just, you know, juking and jiving and saying what he was saying. But it was just a condition of his heart. And, and so we're, we've been sort of in this series where God has brought us back to, hey, let's look at our heart. Let's look at our heart because everything in your life, every relationship, how you handle your money, uh, everything, aspirations, dreams, how you handle struggles, thought life, everything comes out of the condition of what? Your heart. That's why Proverbs 4, above all else, guard it. Guard it when you wake up in the morning. You know, Lord, I want to guard my heart today, right? When you're choosing what you're going to read, what you're going to watch on TV, what you're going to listen to, you know, that's a great filter. Lord, how is this going to impact my heart? How is this going to impact my heart, right? And why is that? Because everything in your life, according to the Bible, according to this verse, everything flows out of your heart. Everything flows out of your heart, right? And so we're kind of rewinding the tape and, 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 and we've learned and we started last Sunday, you know, the the, the title of the the, the series is I must be what? Right? Because if we're going to guard our heart, we have to kind of ask ourselves this question. Well, what heart are we guarding? What, what is this heart? Explain to me. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by heart? And, and we've been looking sort of very challenging the last few weeks because we really have, have turned away from looking at, you know, people's hearts that don't know the Lord to, to people who are sitting in churches today around the world. Millions and millions. Who, quite frankly, we've seen over the last few Sundays, their hearts aren't right. They may have been baptized. They may have gone through membership classes. They may know a lot of Scripture. They may have read the Bible several times. And they might be standing in the pulpit. They might be on worship teams. And yet, we've seen over the last few Sundays their hearts may not be right. and More specifically, they may not be saved because their hearts aren't right. And we're looking at this. How, how is that? What, what's going on? And I shared last, last uh, Sunday this, this quote. There was a survey done where they used the phrase born again and they defined someone who claims to be born again as someone who has made a profession of faith in Jesus. They said something. And they might even, they might even to the best of their ability, believe that Jesus died for them. You know, and we've talked before about the challenge of, of having someone say a sinner's prayer and someone misinterpreting having said a prayer as the basis for being saved. That, that, that's not really it, right? So, so this, this survey was, was um, done where they define born again as someone really who says all the right things, right? And based on this survey, uh, they came up with this statistic that 35 to 43 percent of the U.S. population claims to be born again. 35, that's a pretty big number. And yet, when you look at the news, you kind of scratch your head. Like, man, if over a third of the U.S. population claims to be born again, what's going on? And we're looking at this disconnect at the the societal level, but even the disconnect within the church. Man, so-and-so claims to be a Christian, but I see them at work. You ever hear that? Man, so-and-so claims to be a Christian, but man, Friday nights at the bowling alley, you couldn't tell. You ever, where, where, where does this disconnect come from? Because there's many, many of us who know people who profess to be Christians. And you say, well, how are you a Christian? How did you become a Christian? Well, I said a prayer at camp one time. Hmm. OK, so you said a prayer. That's the basis of your Christianity is that you said a prayer. Right. And, and we, we've been looking the last few weeks at how very careful we have to be that our, the basis of our faith is not in something we've done. But the object and the basis of our faith is what? Jesus and what he did. Jesus alone. Now, you might say a prayer that reflects your faith in Christ, but it's your faith in Jesus alone that saves you. It is not having done something. Are we clearing that there? It's kind of a review. And we saw this quote uh, from a theologian. He says, uh, Gallup and Barna hand us survey after survey demonstrating that evangelical Christians are as likely to embrace lifestyles every bit as hedonistic, materialistic, self-centered, and sexually immoral as the world in general. And you're like, why is that? How can that be? If all these born-againers are acting just like the world, how is that? And, and the truth is, we've learned over the last several weeks, it's because their heart. Their heart remains, what? Unchanged. They know how to do church. They know how to speak what we call Christianese. But their heart remains unchanged. And then I came across this crazy article just this week from the New York Daily News. Big headline. Evangelicals are the least faithful when it comes to spouses. There is a website out there. I'm not going to say the name because I'm not going to give it. There's a website out there. If you're married... You go to this website, you can become a member with a whole bunch of other married people looking for extramarital affairs. So they did a survey of these people, 63,000 of them that are in this website. Okay, now it gets painful. A quarter of the survey participants, 25%, 25 25.1%, self-identify as evangelical, making it the most common faith among the unfaithful. The study also found that 24% of the men and 32% of the women say they pray regularly. As for commandment number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery, only 18% of male and 11% of female participants say they consider cheating to be a sin. That's just, that's just painful. That's just painful this non-believing website surveys its members and the, the highest category are evangelicals on this, come to this website and have an adulterous affair. That's our mission and purpose is to link you two together. 25.1 claim to be evangelical. And you're like, oh. I mean, see, pastorally, that, that's just a knife because I walk around and people say, Hey, you're a pastor. Oh, you want evangelical. Oh, I read the article. Hey, pastor. I mean, in, in, in times like this, you know, I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, sometimes you read things like that and it just, it, you, this wave of discouragement can just sweep over. And there are times when I'm like, Lord, well, ah, we invest and we pour in and we. We we try to do it all right, and we get all of this, and we you know we just do everything we can, and then you read something like that, and you're like, what difference are we even making? Are we even, Lord, what is this? I mean, I'm, honestly, I, I I I hit this place this week where I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Evangelicals are the least faithful when it comes to spouses flashed across the New York Daily News. Like what? What? You know? And then I'm I'm reminded of a a story some of you know of a guy who's walking on the beach and hundreds if not thousands of starfish have washed up and they're drying out, dying, and and he just starts picking them up and throwing it one at a time as he's walking down. And the guy comes up to him and says, Hey man, you know know you're not going to make any difference. He goes, picks up another one, throws it in. He says, I made a difference to that one. And I, I was just reminded and, and, and encouraged. Okay, Lord, we have, we have said at this church we're going to be true to your word. And, and we're going to pray like we never prayed every Sunday. We pray every, every, day, every Sunday before we come in here. And we say, Lord, we can't do this. This is not a man-made thing. This has got to be your word and the Holy Spirit. And if one life changes, then we made a difference for eternity. If one person says, yeah, And that was really encouraging to me. And and then I went to uh, Charlie Rudd's memorial yesterday. And I needed that. I didn't just go to a memorial, but as a pastor, I needed to hear Charlie Rudd's family uh, speak incredible testimonies of a man of faith. You know, sure there was great things about how he was as a grandfather and a husband. But then his son got up as the last speaker and focused on Charlie Rudd's faith. The, the pillar of Charlie Rudd, Rudd's life was his faith. And I, I, I needed to hear that. I needed to be encouraged that, yes, yes, Lord, it made a difference in Charlie's life. And he was a man not perfect by any means, but a man who did his best. To live out his faith. It was real to him. It meant something to him. It wasn't just Sunday morning church. It wasn't just Thursday morning Bible study. This man desired to live his life one day at a time in a way that reflected his faith in Christ. His faith in Christ. And I was encouraged by that. And, and, and I want to encourage you, you. know, It was really interesting because Charlie had had time to, uh, to participate in his memorial service preparations. And so he gave Pastor Chad uh, some verses to read. And I thought, I want to ask you that question. Because I have already received a, hey, when, I, when it's my time, here's my memorial service. Many of you may, I didn't know you could do that. Yes, you can. I give you permission, okay? You can, we can work together on your memorial service. You don't have to wait till after the fact, right? But think about this. At your memorial service, what verse or verses would you want read? And would they match? Would someone read that verse and go, yeah, that was him. That was her. Yeah, I get that verse. He or she lived that, right? Very powerful moment when he was sharing verses because I'm like, wow, great verse. Wow, meaningful. Wow, he lived that. That was awesome. So I want to encourage you with that, that who we are comes out of our heart, right? And then turn to John 3. So we're looking at John 3. And Jesus, in a very wonderful way, makes it so simple. So very, very simple. We started this last Sunday. Nicodemus, right? Let's re- read John 3, starting in verse 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. And do you not understand these things? Right. So here's Nicodemus, Pharisee, right member of the sort of the Supreme Court, if you will, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. Here's a guy. He's not a bad guy. I I, I think Nicodemus is coming. He's seeing Jesus do these miraculous signs. Right. Chapter two tells us that Jesus went into Jerusalem, was doing all these signs. Nicodemus comes to him. I think with a very sincere question. Hey, you know, he, he makes a statement. Actually, he just says. You know, hey, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with them. You know, he's, he's initiating this conversation, maybe trying to test the waters with Jesus. You know, and the thing about Nicodemus we saw last Sunday was that he's kind of like us. Many of us, probably a good moral person, committed to God, doing his best to follow the Bible and live a right life and please God and get to heaven right by works. Nicodemus was kind of a good guy. Most of the people, 99.9% of you, are good people. 100% of you, okay, we'll say 100% of you are good people, right? Why else would you be here unless, you know, you're good people, right? And I said last Sunday, the challenge with speaking the gospel to good people is that in their mind, they're what? Good people. They're good people. Right. And, and so Nicodemus probably comes with this idea like, hey, this guy's doing some crazy, miraculous things. I'm going to go, chat with him. And Jesus, I love what Jesus does. Right. He just cuts right to the chase. He doesn't get caught up in some debate about creation and evolution. He doesn't get caught up in some debate about, you know, heaven and hell. Right. He doesn't get into this big theological debate with this really strong scholar. You would think he would. Right. I'm going to out debate him. No, he says, hey, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Just Nicodemus just gets flipped. What? Not what I was expecting to hear. Born again, right? And, and, and you know, it's kind of funny, right? Nicodemus gets so thrown off that he thinks he's talking. Wait, wait, born again, this physical thing. What are you talking about? Physical birth? How is that even possible, right? Nicodemus is just like thrown for a loop, which is exactly where Jesus wanted him to be. And for some of us who kind of consider us good people, even good church-going people, sometimes Jesus comes into our life and he wants to throw us for a loop because we get comfortable and we get in routines and we kind of, after a while, think we have it all figured out until something happens in our life. We go, okay, you know, I call it crying uncle. Okay, Lord, uncle, you got me. So he goes right to Nicodemus' heart. Hey, Nick, you got to be born again, buddy. And he creates this sort of unease, this tension with Nicodemus saying, wait, 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 born again. And then Jesus talks about being born of water and the spirit. And we're going to look at that more in depth. But what's happening, to Nicodemus, through this whole conversation is this. You're telling me everything I was taught, everything I've been raised with, everything I dedicated my life to is wrong. See, that's the struggle going on in Nicodemus right now. He's, he's battling with the heart issue of this is, this is everything I am. This is what I committed my life to. This is what I've been dedicated to. And now Jesus is saying that doesn't mean a thing. Oh. See, that's the hard part about sort of preaching the gospel in this very comfortable country we live in. Because people don't like the word Sin. And when you, try to, when you bring up sin, and the Bible says all have sinned, you know, and you want to talk about the garden, all have sinned, people don't like that. Oh, you're calling me a sinner. I'm not in jail. I never robbed anyone. I didn't kill anyone. Why are you calling me a sinner? that We don't like that. Because, because we've sort of been raised. Everyone here, you're good. And we, we go through the same struggle that Nicodemus is going through. You're telling me everything, my view of myself, my view of how to get to heaven, my view of God? My whole world view is wrong. Yeah, you must be born again. And, and that's the amazing thing, is, is if we allow God to speak truth to us and we're open and receptive, watch out because supernatural things can happen. So he says, he says, in verse 5, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. So that, that phrase, water in the spirit, there's been a lot of discussion about what that is and, and what that means. And, and I think it's helpful just to kind of look at it as, as a whole, right? So the word born again, let's start with born again. It means completely radically new. Specifically means from above, right? To undergo such a radical change that it is like a new birth. To have something happen to the soul which can only be described as being born again. The whole process is not a human achievement because it comes from the grace and power of God, right? I put in your notes there. You want to take a peek at your notes, right? That word regeneration, right? It's kind of a big word, but now you know if you're a believer in Christ, I don't know how much of my notes. If you're a believer in Christ, you've been regenerated. So to the best of your ability, how many of you here have been regenerated? Regenerated. Isn't that radical? See, here's the thing. A lot of the draw for the occult and for the cults is what? Come to us and we'll give you power. People are drawn to the occult. Ouija boards and all that stuff. Why? Because there's this supernatural, mysterious power thing that goes on, right? And they, they twist it. And then they think, oh, you want me to be a Christian? That's so boring. That's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, isn't it? Any Christians and a bunch of nerds, have no friends, have no life, you know? I heard it all, right? No, 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 no. From the very beginning, when you believe in Jesus, when you place your full faith in Jesus alone, just like Daryl has his full weight on that wheelchair, when you rest in Jesus alone, here's the crazy thing: Something supernatural, miraculous happens in you. Supernatural. So you've got to throw the whole idea that Christianity is just about being a better moral person. That's not biblical. Christianity is a miraculous, supernatural event in your life that happens the moment you put faith in Jesus. Amen? You're regenerated. You're regenerated. You haven't been, you know, it's not reformation. It's not cleaning up your life. It's not being a better person. No, no. The Bible says the old is gone. You are a new what? New creation. That word new means this. Never before existed. So stop trying to clean up your old self. Isn't that radical? How many of you have have made such poor decisions in your life that you ever... You said in the bottom of your heart, Oh, if only I could move across the country where nobody knew my past and I could start brand new and, and nobody would have any preconceived ideas and it would just be a fresh start. Anyone? Come on, be honest. We've all done that. I just want to go where nobody knows me so I can have a fresh start. Anyone? You have a fresh start in Jesus. Now here's the radical thing. Your friends and your family and your coworkers and your classmates, they might still see you the same, but not God. Not God. And you can walk into the exact same workplace, Cafe Emporium, where Friday, not saying this is true, you were spiritually dead. You walk in Monday and you're regenerated. Do we need to talk? <laughs> Just kidding. You can walk in Sunday, mor- Monday and be regenerated. Fresh start. Brand new. That is the faith we live. That is the relationship with the Lord. It is not renovation. You, the, you are born again. Hands. Regenerated. Okay. Check it out. You've never existed before. The moment you put your faith in Jesus' head, you are a new creation. I'm going to give you a new heart. New desires. You, can you, as a believer, have never existed before. Yeah, great news. Great news. The Bible says you're no longer a slave to sin. The Bible says you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You've never existed like that before. It's always been candy's best. What candy can do. Candy's best intentions. Candy's good. Candy's not so good, right? You put your faith in Jesus, regeneration, new Candy. Never existed before. That's awesome. I mean, who, I mean, it's, it's so funny, right? Who wouldn't want that? And then you get into the whole spiritual deception and all the blindness type of thing. But that's what it means, right? Regeneration. To be born again. Brand new. Brand new. Supernatural work of God, right? First Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Titus 3, right? He says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of what? Rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. It's brand new, guys. When you put your faith in Jesus, it's not becoming just a churchgoer. It's a brand spanking new relationship because you're brand spanking new. You are. And that's, that's why you wake up in the morning and you're like, yeah, yeah. That's why every day can be just this great adventure and this great walk with the Lord. Right? Because you're new. You're new. That's regeneration. John 1, 12, uh, 13 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but what? Born of God. It's supernatural, guys. We kind of, you know, when I, when I read statistics and I see things and, you know, people claiming to be Christians, I'm like, come on. Can we just get back to the basics that it's supernatural? And we're to walk and live every day in a supernatural life. But as Christians, we just get sucked right into the world view. Ho-hum, ho-hum. Just got to do like everyone else. You know, got to go to work. And every time I go through L.A. and I'm stuck in traffic, I just look at people. Like you do this every day. Right? Like six lanes across stopped. You know, not that they're not believers, but I'm like, do we just get sucked into that ho hum? It's just another day. Gotta go fight the traffic. Gotta go that boss I don't really like and that coworker that bugs me. And I gotta come home and take care of all my and as believers, we just get sucked into this ho hum. When at the very core, you're born again. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit, regenerated, new creation, never existed before on planet Earth. Right? And so he says this. And you, Nicodemus says, you must be born of the water and spirit. What is that? Right? What is that? So uh, as I was studying it, Nicodemus probably understood that. You don't have to turn to In Ezekiel 36, it says this. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So Nicodemus, being a student of scripture, would understand. He goes, oh, born of water and spirit. Oh, wait, I remember Ezekiel. He means something supernatural has to happen. That's what God's talking about. So Nicodemus, in the context, Nicodemus would be drawn to Ezekiel and go, Okay, so it's not my religiosity. It's not adherence to the law. Jesus is saying something supernatural has to happen in me. That's how Nicodemus would have understood that. Something supernaturally has to happen in me to be born again, right? And we know now, right, in uh, John 7, Water is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Okay, he says this, uh, John 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit. Right. So the the New Testament describes the spirit. Holy Spirit is water. Right. Water is also used to describe the what? The word of God. Right? John 15:3, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through what? The word. So in the New Testament, we understand what Jesus is saying. Same way that Nicodemus. Something supernatural has to happen in you to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit taking the word of God. And regenerating. That's what's got to happen. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God is sharper. pierces our heart. He pierces your heart. opens your understanding of the truth. And to be born again, here's a radical thing. It's through faith in Jesus. You put your full weight, your full belief in Jesus. We are, the Bible says we are saved by grace. Unmerited favor. You can't earn it. It's not by works. Okay, You can't earn it. It's a gift. You receive this gift of salvation. How? Put your full weight in Jesus alone. Put your full weight in Jesus alone. So awesome. And you're regenerated. Born again, right? And then look what I put in your outline there. The impact of regeneration on my life. Right? And I want to encourage you. We are going to look at several of these verses. Because the Word of God has got to tell you, I I can't convince you anymore. God just said, you know what, just read verses today. Just read verses. So, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're going to start there. When you put your faith in Jesus as the object of your faith, you rest fully on Him. Okay? As your Lord and Savior, you are regenerated. What does that mean? What does that mean? What is the impact of that? Let's look at Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You're a new creation. We saw several weeks ago, maybe a couple of months. What does God do with your sins when you become a believer? Does he keep a does he keep a file and throw them at you every time you blow it and say, Ernie, you did it again, buddy. You did that on you did that last May. Come on, Ernie. Right. Is that what God does? No, the Bible says he remembers our sin. No more. No more. So we celebrated that one Sunday that woohoo there is no file cabinet. There is no file that God's going to say, Steve, remember this. He doesn't do that. He remembers you got a clean slate. That's awesome. He remembers your sin no more, right? So you're a new creation. You have a new relationship with God. We won't turn to that when I read that. You're now what? A child of God. You were once separated. Now you are born again into whose family? God. Turn to someone next to you that's a believer and say, You're a child of God. You're a child of God, right? You're a child of God. Okay, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that, right? New relationship with other believers. Okay, so here's a radical thing. You get regenerated. You're a new creation. You get a new heart, right? You're born into the family of God. And now here's the crazy thing. You're now put into the body of Christ. You have new relationships. You do. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Just turn to someone next to you and say, there are no Lone Rangers. Right? No Tontos. Right? You're in the body of Christ, right? Turn to 1 John 3. 1 John 3, and we're going to camp in 1 John. We'll be looking at several verses there. 1 John is towards the end of the Bible. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 1 John. All right. 1 John 3. 14. First John three fourteen. When you put your faith in Jesus alone, when you're born again, first John three fourteen, we know that we have passed from death to life because what? We love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Not only are you put in the body of Christ, here's a kill thing. You love each other. Okay, you ought to love each other. So turn to the person next to say, Okay, I love you. Because God says I have to. Right? No. Here's the deal. When you're regenerated, this love for the brethren is a fruit of being regenerated. It's not false. It's not phony. It's not hypocrisy. You just genuinely agape love each other because you're united in Christ. Amen? That's a fruit. All right? You just love each other. That's why why our meet and greet goes... Because you love each other. You love each other. Amen? All right? Okay. So... That's a fruit, right? Let's, look at, uh, let's just go to 1 John 2. We'll just stay in the same book. 1 John 2, let's look at verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we, obey, if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know We are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk. What? As Jesus walked. Right. Let's go to uh, back to verse John three. Let's start in verse eight. First John three, eight. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God regenerated will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. All right, who here sinned? Even as a Christian, does that mean you're not going to sin ever? Is that what these verses are saying? No, but if you misinterpret that, you can get all wound up. I sinned. I must not be a Christian. No. What these verses are saying as a whole, here's the heart of these verses. You have been born again. You have been regenerated. You have a new heart. You have the Holy Spirit. You're free from the slavery to sin. Here's the thing. If you're a child of God, your nature as a whole is to love and obey God. As a child of God with a new regenerated heart, your nature is not to keep sinning. It doesn't make sense. Do you guys understand that? That's what he's saying here. If you're not going to be perfect. We've talked about sanctification. But here's the thing. When you are regenerated, when you are born of God, when you get this new heart, your desire is just to honor God and obey him. Amen? Okay, don't, don't misinterpret this. It's just your general bent, the general desire of your heart is to honor God. Because why? He gave you that nature. You're born again. How many of you remember a time in your life you want nothing to do with God? How many of you remember a time in your life coming to church on Sunday was like, eh. and you're here. Where did that desire come from? Not you. Don't think it was you. Your desire to be here, unless, of course, you were forced, but your desire to be here comes from God. That's evidence of regeneration, yo. Okay, I shouldn't say yo, but that, that, that's for another crowd. <laughs> that's for the San Diego crowd. Your, your evidence of regeneration is you want things of God. You want to worship. You want to read. Not necessarily perfectly. You want to be at church. You want to sit next to the person you're sitting to. Uh, Candy's like, yeah, so y'all used to feel good right there, right? So that's just evidence, that's fruit of being born again. You want the things of God. You want to obey. Okay. New ability to obey God. Here's the crazy thing. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your salvation. Okay. Follow me daily. But here's the thing. I'm going to give you the desire and the power to do it. Isn't that crazy? Come follow me. Walk with me with this. And here's the crazy thing. I'm going to give you the desire to do this. And then I'm going to empower you through the Holy Spirit to do it. Anybody here ever have something, somebody put some goal for you to achieve that you knew was impossible? What happened? You got discouraged. You quit. You were angry. No way. God says, "Ah, I'm going to give you the desire to do this, and then I'm going to empower you to do it. Win-win. Win-win. Right? Crazy. Right? And then you have new life. New life. We'll end with this. 1 John 5, 11-12. And this is the Testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Here's a question. Do you have a Son? Because here's a radical thing. If you have Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, according to that verse, you have what? Life. Eternal life and abundant life. You have the, you have the potential for abundant life. Not tomorrow, right now. Right now. You have the potential for abundant life right now. If you had Jesus. It's that simple. Well, how do you how do you have faith? Galatians tell us you're, you're, you're born again through faith in Jesus. It's that simple. Put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That He paid the price you could never pay. He went to Calvary, died for your sins. Believe on Him with your whole being. That's faith, your whole being. And the Bible says you have life. You have life. And I love what was shared with Charlie about Charlie Rudd at the end yesterday. His son said that uh, Pastor Chad visited Charlie and read verses, and then towards the end of Charlie's life, Pastor Chad asked if he could sing a hymn with them, a song, and they wanted to sing "Jesus Loves Me." The simplicity. You must be born again. Have Jesus. Have life. And Charlie Rudd got some energy. And he and Pastor Chad sang. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Would you receive that love? Just receive. Jesus, I receive you. You're my Savior and Lord. I put my faith in you. I want to be born again. I want to be regenerated. And for those of you who are regenerated, those who are born again, would you go back to just let, just let Jesus love you and just love Him? Just let that new nature out. Just let the Holy Spirit empower you. Here's the crazy thing. Romans 6, 4 says, Jesus was raised from the dead. Just as he was raised from the dead, so too we can walk in what? Newness of life. Today, would you walk in newness of life? A life that has never been seen on this earth. Amen? Brand spanking new. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that through faith in Jesus, we are born again supernaturally changed from the inside. A new heart, new desires, new relationship with you, new relationship with other believers, indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's all by grace through faith. And my prayer, Lord, for us this morning, if you have not received Jesus, if in, in your heart you may have come to church once or several times in your life over years, but you've never been born again. Just tell God, Lord, the best way I know I'm just putting my faith in Jesus, 100%. 100%. I believe Jesus died. I, I trust him as my Savior, and my Lord. I submit, I yield. The best way I know I'm just giving my heart, I'm trusting Jesus. And as we prepare for communion, Band, you can come on up. We're going to sing a song about amazing love. And if you are trusting Jesus, you can take communion. It's symbolic of His broken body and shed blood. The Bible says those that take communion, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. So if your conviction, if your belief is that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, by all means, take communion in remembrance of Him.